You're listening to Podfabula Productions, a mashup of fiction, nonfiction, ideas, and commentary, created and narrated by your author host, Victor Aquista. Today's episode, Hope Dies Hard. I open today's episode with superlatives as I introduce you to the work of the sci-fi author that I consider the best, most awesome, top shelf, top of the list, at the zenith of science fiction that I have read in over a decade. Here I'm talking about Sir Eric Michael Craig. The Sir part comes from his involvement as a founder of the worldwide Knights of the Sci-Fi Roundtable, an awesome Facebook group that I'll drop a link for in the show notes. After joining that group and reading one of his books, I was totally blown away at the caliber of writing and storytelling. And the gods of the universe were smiling upon me when I learned he lived only an hour and a half away from me in New Mexico. We developed a friendship that continues to this day, despite my relocation to Florida. Eric, if you're listening, hurry up and finish with the teleporter so you can beam me over. I wouldn't put it past him either, since in addition to being a superb author, he's got all sorts of advanced degrees in physics and engineering and is, quite honestly, one of the smartest people I know. Enough superlatives. You get the idea. If you like hard science fiction, by that I mean the fiction part is based on real science, you should check out some of his books. He's a prodigious author, and you have many choices. Today, I'm reading an excerpt from his forthcoming release, Hope Dies Hard, which is book seven in the Wings of Earth series. I've already ordered my copy. Buckle up for this sneak peek. First, let me tell you a little bit about the series and the main character. The farther from home we get, the darker our universe becomes. 125 years after discovering the technological legacy left by the ancient Shantaku, humanity is growing beyond the solar system. With the beginning of interstellar exploration comes the discovery that we are truly not alone. Ethan Walker is a freighter captain, just trying to pay his bills and stay out of trouble. He commands a ship running in the deep systems of the Coalition, but something he doesn't yet understand keeps spinning what should be routine cargo missions into dangerous trouble. Pirates, slavers, terrorists, and genetically enhanced humans all conspire against him as he struggles to do the right thing and keep his ship and crew out of trouble. Captain Walker doesn't want to be a hero, but it seems the universe has other plans. Captain Ethan Walker seeks the truth about what has gone wrong in Coalition space Unfortunately, the cost for that revelation is more than he's ready to pay. In Hope Dies Hard, Walker and his crew discover just how ruthless the people chasing him are, and he finds himself alone with a small circle of cutthroat renegades as allies. He's only just learning the dangerous reality of this new universe in which he's trapped, where the consequences of his actions can turn ugly in an instant, and the choices he's made always come back to exact their price, usually in blood. In this scene, Ethan discovers that he is too late to save his family from the reach of those who would use innocent people 
to force him to surrender. Excerpt from Hope Dies Hard by Eric Michael Craig. Angel, Tiamora, Quinn, and Jana, plus two sentinel telepaths, all sat strapped into their seats in the back as Ethan snaked the shuttle southeast, almost a thousand meters below the ridgeline of the ancient outflow formation. The sky to the far east was just revealing the first light of sunrise in the wispy orographic clouds above the summit danced with vibrant pink fire, even though the massive rise of the volcano was far beyond the horizon. Nuko sat beside him and stared at the sky in fascination. An Olympus dawn, she whispered. He glanced at her and winked. It had been years since he'd flown the Lycus Canyonlands, but the muscle memories still moved his hands over the controls as he hugged the rock wall to his south like they were running on rails. We're about to crest the ridge, he said, without looking at his map. If they spot us, this is where it will be. Assuming they didn't catch us on the way down, she said. Jerking them sidewise and down toward the red dust, as they opened out on the end of the canyon, he piled on speed. They shot across the open plain so close to the sand that their landing lights illuminated the shock waves as expanding swirls in the dust beside them. A mountain ridge rose as a shadow above the near horizon, and he nodded. Hang on for hard approach, he said over the internal comm. Five seconds. He pulled the shuttle to port to widen their approach angle and then slammed them back to the starboard and reversed thrust abruptly. The ground shuddered in front of them as their speed burnt away almost instantly. Inertial controls make that so much easier than it was in a flitter, he said, leaning back and hitting the comm panel above his head to send the lock authorization code. Nuko shrugged. I'm not reading any signals. Power to the doors seems to be cut off. That's not good, he said quietly, as he reached over to swing the landing lights up and scan the front of the barn. He'd hoped that if the management had gotten here to take his family, they might have left power on, but he was seeing no signs of anything in the barn or the agrodome beyond. Up there, Nuko whispered, pointing toward the seam with a barn attached to the outer edge of the larger dome. That looks like a breach. He nodded, easing them up and over the roof of the barn. His heart sank as he realized it was a burn hole from a cutting laser. The inside of the agrodome was open to Martian air pressure. Maybe they were, she said as he drifted forward and the light shot down into the interior. More than a hundred animals were visible on the open ground inside. Cattle and alpaca, and even a horse lay dead from exposure to the near vacuum of the outside air. I'm sorry, Ethan, she said. Glancing away and up toward the sky, he nodded, clearing his throat. There are three domes and a residence. Are they all open? He bit down on his lip until he tasted his own blood. She leaned forward and brought up a sensor screen. She sighed. The small one in the middle still has power. I'm not seeing life signs, but it's warmer inside, so it still might have life support. There should be an emergency lock there, he said, pushing them up and over to the big dome and toward the one that had been his parents' home. 
Lights were on outside in the small landing pit that attached to the lock had a crawler flipped over in it. We'll have to walk in, he said, over the internal comm as he settled the shuttle down into the dust. Standing up, he nodded at Nuko. You've got the ship. Keep the coils hot and your eyes on the proximity detectors. If anything moves that isn't dust, call it out and we'll make like cowards. Can do, she said, jumping into the seat as he'd just left. If there's nobody home, then we'll be back before the sun gets over the edge of the sky. But if we run into anything or you get jumped out here, leave us and get back to the dawn. I won't abandon you. He spun her seat around with a snap and leaned forward to get in her face. You will save the ship and crew. Otherwise, I'll put ammo in that seat. Do I make myself perfectly clear? She blinked several times before she looked down at the deck and nodded. I don't expect to find anything in there, but the longer we're on the dirt out there, the harder they'll be looking for us. Because we're sitting in the open instead of the barn, it will be easy to spot our power signature. Keep your eyes open and moving. Yes, boss. She turned back to the pilot console and opened a proximity sensor screen in front of her without looking back up. He palmed the door open to the rear compartment. Jana, Quinn, Angel, and Ammo were suited but neither of the telepaths were EVA qualified. Luda held an evacuation airbag in her hand, and he shook his head. You don't need to risk it, and I don't want to worry about slowing down to carry you out if we have to run, he said. Do either of you feel anybody in there? She shook her head, but the other telepath shrugged. Ethan remembered his name was Rogan Ty. He was supposed to be one of the strongest mind-readers in New Providence, that was why they'd brought him along. I don't think it's a person, but there is something in there. Alive? Yeah, I think it might be a dog, he said. It's on the lower floor, near the back. It's very weak and sleeping. Ethan nodded, choking down another wave of emotion. He might have hated ranching, but he'd grown up surrounded by animals. He'd had dogs up until he'd left home and taken to space. He was surprised that he felt like leaving a dog to starve to death was worse than shooting someone dead. By nature, a dog trusted humans, and it didn't deserve that kind of betrayal. Sit tight and keep your minds open. If either of you even vaguely feel someone thinking in our direction, I want to know it. He reached out and took the airbag from Luta. At least now, he knew there was someone in there to rescue. The good news is, you don't have to wait long to find out what happens to Captain Walker and his crew. Hope Dies Hard is scheduled for release on July 15th. It's just one fine example from the library of books by this talented author. Stop by his Amazon page or website for details. Links are in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode. Check out the show notes for information about Podfobla Productions' Facebook page, my author website, and the eight streaming platforms that carry the show. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and keep an eye out for my upcoming suspense novel, Serpent Rising. Until next time... <laughs>